Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at three cannabis trends that might be fizzling out. We might also talk about one that's on the rise, being extractions, and briefly touch on consumer behavior by generation. To help us do all of that is Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh, and congratulations for your write-up and Reader's Digest. Ah, Reader's Digest, yes, the magazine that everybody reads. Next time you're at your mom's house and you need to go to the bathroom, check it out. I'm on page 115 in the Genius Issue, talking about all things CBD. <laughs> yes. Congrats. Thank you. Trying to normalize that cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So three hot trends, also trying to normalize, talking about beverages for one. So it's really expensive from the bottle to the way you emulsify it to... um how you distribute it and the shelf life. It's very, very expensive. Shrinkage or waste um, is costly. And so maybe that's one of the things, if you're going to have a $20 beverage, it's not going to sell every day. We've made these these comments in the past. That's my understanding or, or reasoning for why infused beverages had all the hype, but haven't really seen the the financial data to support it more than likely because they're expensive. The price point, Josh, also, uh, while there are some uh, water products, uh, most of them are are sugar sodas, and there's a lot of resistance to sugary sweet drinks, especially if you're going to be taking CBD for uh, a medical issue where you need a pretty much constant supply of CBD. Uh, It's just too pricey. And also, if you really want a beverage, there's a lot of powdered drinks out there. And I think the powder does a lot better than the actual soda on the shelf. What do you think, Josh? Water soluble is the way to go. You don't really see oil emulsification. I think the grab and go is the most popular, meaning if you can drink it right then and there, that's the most popular. The powders I've seen, are cheaper and therefore you know people do buy them but i think you know just being an american and want an instant gratification they would sell more if the price was right for grab and go but i think the alternative is to grab the powder because of the price yeah the price is definitely prohibitive and they don't allow consumption on premises here in washington so you got to take it home and yeah, yeah i don't know I really hope that infused beverages take off. I like the concept, uh, but until they can get the beverages down to, you know, the two to five dollar range, I just really don't see uh, beverages being a significant player in the market, Josh. We've made the coffee analogy in comparison many times. And so I will spend seven or eight dollars for a hemp mocha. Um, alternative. And I don't do it every day. Some people do, uh, but that's my guilty pleasure. I don't drink really coffee anymore. I think I've had three coffee beverages since April and it gives me the jitters. It's crazy. I just don't have caffeine anymore. But I think for people who who do have alternative drinks and are willing to spend $7 at Starbucks would do that every single day. $35 a week is not that expensive of a habit, but it takes it takes the producer and retailer all to um, really, really lower their prices. And right now that's not happening. We're seeing Constellation brands injecting half a billion dollars uh, up in Canada for a beverage that really hasn't gone anywhere. 
I'm going to obviously try to bring that down in the U.S. once the FDA pulls their head out of the sand. But a lot of these companies are in standby. There's a lot of beverage companies that are just really going nowhere fast. Yeah, we've heard rumors of uh, very large players, including Coca-Cola and Starbucks, wanting to touch the CBD industry. But without um, FDA regulation, those great, big, huge corporate players, which can drive the price down, uh, they're just not ready yet, Josh. So before we get to the Motley Fool's second trend that's fizzling out, being vapes, let's jump to the last one and uh, and talk a little bit about CBD. So we did a podcast recently about CBD and the FDA not really kind of aligning with industry standards or, or what the industry was expecting. But the farm bill did kind of push CBD to the forefront. It is the gateway, especially with, uh, you know, this pandemic and seeing essential businesses, uh, whether it's uh, France or, you know, other regions that are banning alcohol, but allowing for CBD, that is a huge push uh, and is um, kind of highlighting cannabis in, in, a, in a unique way through CBD. So CBD is supposed to become a $22 billion industry by 2022, according to Brightfield Groups, but some sales of cannabidiol-based products have struggled, namely beverages. You can't have CBD beverages pretty much on the whole West Coast, and now FDA is, you know, even blocked out even farther. Yes, uh, CBD is struggling because the United States will not address the regulatory framework for CBD. And it's dragging down the industry. It's dragging down the hemp farmers. Uh, just finally say yes or no. What is your decision? And what is the pathway to legally have a CBD market in the United States? They need to get off their tuchus and address this because it is hurting American farmers. Uh, the, the amount of hemp that was planted in response to the 2018 Farm Bill to meet the CBD consumer demand in the United States was massive, and it just collapsed. It just collapsed, it, and it was terrible. It was, it, the American farmer suffered mightily because of these delays, and they need to address it one way or the other so that farmers and other businesses, but primarily the farmers uh, that grow all this hemp know what they're supposed to do. They can't even agree on testing. Is it Delta 9 testing or is it total THC testing? And I've read the ridiculous farm bill and associated uh, regulations from the FDA and they are, it's not even consistent in the interim final rules promulgated by the FDA. They talk about Delta 9 THC and total THC interchangeably because they don't understand. But for the farmer, it's a huge consequence, huge consequence. Uh, I'm off my soapbox here for a second, but uh, they, they need to get off their butt. It's ridiculous. Yeah, companies are going to have to really figure out how to stay in business with all of these issues, right? I mean, we've seen it constantly from um, if colors are too bright, 
you know, and shapes are too attractive to children. I mean, whatever it is, a THC cap of 10% on concentrates, whatever they try throwing at you, mandatory unionization, I mean, it doesn't stop. So a company should always have about 15 SKUs, six that make money, six that don't, and a few that break even. And so for a company like Charlotte's Web, having those topicals, tinctures, uh, CBD oils to get them through the inability to have a CBD drink is going to be what keeps them alive. Uh, But ultimately, what we haven't seen is the FDA allowing for CBD to be considered the same as an additive. So as soon as people understand and trust CBD the same way as vitamin C and as soon as it's regulated the same, that's when we know that uh, it's here for good and um, it's going to be normalized. Agreed. Uh, It's just, we need regulation. So another trend that seems to be fizzling out according to the Motley Fool is vaping. And so let's see before we criticize them too much. Let's see what they say, because I I don't agree with the headlines, but I don't want to make a comment before actually knowing what they're talking about. So talking about uh, vaping is going up in smokes. Vape sales obviously took a hit in the black market fourth quarter 2018 when a couple thousand cases of this mysterious lung illness was attributed to vitamin E acetate. Uh, But no one knew that at the time, right? So it took a little while. But now that it's out, there's still some areas in Canada that still don't allow vaping. Um, I think maybe Labrador or some random spot out in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm. But as soon as they get color TVs and they figure it out uh, and they're back into the, the 20th century, they'll figure out that vaping was a black market issue and you know, didn't have anything to do with uh, the regulated marketplace. Vaping's really popular. As a place like Arizona, they don't have a lot of pre-rolls, whereas Washington is massively dominant on pre-rolls. So if you're in a conservative area, vaping is really the, the way to go. It's how I travel. I don't smoke because if, if I'm in Las Vegas, people have cigars. But if I have cannabis, that's like toxic to somebody in a, a elevator, right? So you want to be um, cognizant of other people and, and also about convenience and if you're in a state that's conservative, it's about being inconspicuous. So I don't think vaping is going anywhere. First and foremost, in response to this article, I would, I would ask, what do they mean by vape? Uh, again, in this industry, we see things change and, and develop at a fairly rapid pace. So now you can vape an oil uh, you have the traditional, you know, volcano units that have been around forever. You have the little, um, you have the little uh, vaporizing units that actually you can put raw flour in the vaporizing units, uh, and then you have all sorts of, uh, shall I say, fun things uh, that you and I ran into at MJ BizCon. Uh, last year, Josh, uh, we saw this uh, bomb unit. What was that called? Uh, where you put the joint in in this thing and then and then uh, squeezed it. <laughs> I don't even remember the name. It, it was it was a it was a fun fun thing. But so I would first question what they mean by vape, and if they mean vaping and oil then yes, uh, I would understand the market sort of dropping off a little bit with Vapegate, but I think it's coming back. Vape, vaping and oil is 
fairly convenient. It doesn't smell. The, the little form factors, I mean, you can get those little vape units down really, really small, be discreet. Uh, then you have the dry herb vaporizers, uh, which are uh, fairly popular as well. The Da Vinci is one of the biggest selling uh, dry herb vaporizers. And then the classics, uh, the Volcano, which is, is very, very popular among medical cannabis users. So I don't think vape is going to go away. Uh, might have hit a bump, but it goes to show legalization is the way to go and don't buy something you don't know. Right. Yeah. People don't buy milk out of somebody's trunk. You know, there's a reason you don't buy cigarettes on the black market. It's, if there's a regulated market, you probably want to get your stuff from there. Um, Especially if it's something that could hurt you. Right. If you smoke something, eat something, you probably want to make sure that it's, it's regulated. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Don't buy milk out of somebody's trunk. Just don't do it. <laughs> just stop. Stop already. I know you got some weird you know, weird things you like doing, but just stop already. Okay. So market trends uh, from according to Marijuana Venture, extracts are on the rise. So looking at some market share from Colorado, Oregon, and Washington dating back, God, six years already. You can see that um, cannabis unprocessed was about 69% of the market and processed cannabis being, you know, dabs, wax, all of that uh, was about 28% in 2014. Well, fast forward to 2020 and you're seeing that uh, processed cannabis is almost half, 47% versus just 51% for unprocessed cannabis. So uh, making its way. So throughout the US, 2020 sales by category, you're seeing vaping at 32%. Uh, edibles are, are seeing a pop during this pandemic at 13 um, pre-rolls at six flowers still at the top though 37 percent and tinctures and topicals are pretty low at uh, one and two percent respectively um, just to point out about the the edibles and topicals right now during the pandemic according to new frontier data we're showing significant growth particularly in edibles and topicals so together those two categories have grown 37 percent uh, compared to 2019 sales and prior to that sales in those two categories have been growing steadily at 28% annually. So we are seeing vaping kind of taken over, but people are taking a look at their health. Uh, Katrina, you mentioned earlier, people don't really want CBD with, you know, sugar. They're going to be more about health conscious. So uh, I think that with edibles, there are some opportunities to kind of increase the, the SKUs and but regardless, we are seeing a lot more people do edibles and people everywhere are vaping. Which doesn't match with the previous article that said the trend is done. Uh, but this makes sense to me. Uh, entire generations of Americans have grown up that smoking is bad. Uh, and I don't care what you're smoking, cloves, hemp, cigarettes, cannabis. We grew up learning that smoking is bad. And so individuals have decisions to make whether they want to use cannabis or not, and then how they use cannabis. And that prejudice that is so hardwired into the brain about sparking up a pre-roll joint, it leaves room in the market for the vapes and the edibles and other things uh, to, to overcome that baseline prejudice that smoking is bad.
as much as I'm a fan of cannabis, if you've spent 30 seconds around cannabis, you know it stinks. It stinks. And if you are trying to be discreet for whatever reason, you live in an apartment, you live at home, you're trying to keep it away from the kids, if you're trying to be discreet, the, the extracts are the way to go. The form factors are, are easier to, to deal with. They, they cut down on the smell. Uh, there are some dosage uh, questions and some efficacy questions, but you, you end up finding something that works for you. And this, I have said one million times that the soccer mom is never gonna light up a joint. It stinks. She's, she has to be discreet. She is not going to do it. Grandma might not care because grandma is over the bump, but the soccer mom is just not going to do it. So I think the edibles and the topicals are very popular with that segment, both grandmas and soccer moms, as, as are vapes. So this totally makes sense to me, Josh. And there's, there's more um, healthier options for vape. A lot of the thinning agents were glycol and other things that make my throat, um, you know, it makes me cough and everything. And I don't want to be coughing. I don't want to get stabbed during the pandemic, you know, for being a stoner and coughing. So um, I go for a, a brand called um, Avitas or Avitas. It's Sativa spelled backwards. And they have um, live rosin. Or, and so or, uh, if, if you haven't had it, a live resin is more of a, a natural, uh, not natural, but doesn't have so many thinners and the way that it's extracted is um, a little bit better. So I, I, flour is more dominant, but according to New Frontier data, cannabis products made from extracts, including concentrates, vet, vapes, edibles, topicals, and tinctures account for 57% of illegal sales so far in 2020. And New Frontier projects that products made from extracts will represent 10 billion of the 18 billion in total legal sales expected this year. And so what we're also seeing, like I mentioned, live resin and live rosin products have been the fastest growing subsector. So when it comes to extracts and concentrate trends, vapes are far and above the most popular option for some of these customers and live resin is finally beginning to take off and earn more market share. That's definitely what I'm picking up. And I would imagine some of the, the baby boomers to uh, down to the millennials are also looking for pesticide-free, solventless, uh, natural products. And until it's normalized, they're not going to sell it because it's a small market share, but the demand is there. It's just the market hasn't caught up to, the market maturity hasn't caught up to consumer preferences. Uh, agreed. Uh, they're, they're a little bit behind on the, on the eight ball there, but they're getting there, Josh. So it looks like the average spend, uh, for vaporizers for millennials is around $25 compared to 20 for baby boomers. So it's only 11% for baby boomers, 14% for, for millennials inhalables. I'm assuming that that's everything. That's 50% of millennials spending around $85 compared to just 39% of baby boomers spending under $70. That's interesting. I don't know how they define, uh, uh, oh, here they go. Uh, inhalables are joints and pipes. So 
that makes sense. It's the it's the cheapest and easiest way to consume uh, cannabis. So that makes sense. Yeah, and everybody's agreeing that flour is the least expensive form. Obviously, the the highest driver. It's the most old school product that everyone's familiar with, and um, they don't have to buy you know a, a different apparatus for that, and it's accessible. Regardless if you're generation, uh, the silver generation or Gen Z, cannabis is definitely being consumed by different people in different ways, whether it's capsules or dabs, edibles, inhalables, tinctures, topicals, vaporizers, or others. So it's interesting. This uh, article goes on to say that baby boomers and millennials not only prefer the same forms of consumption, but on average, they also both spend roughly the same amount each month on cannabis and have increased their consumption during the pandemic. Uh, I think we've seen at least a 10% bump in Washington. Unfortunately, there's no hemp fest this year. We saw a nice little bump uh, for hemp fest. So that's unfortunate. Um, They could use some of your money if you want to donate to them. And then according to data from uh, Seattle headsets, top 10 brands in each of the four states, that's California, Colorado, Nevada, and Washington surveyed accounted for less than half of all flower purchases in 2019. So obviously seeing product diversification and, and preferences switching from flour to uh, other forms of, you know, ingestion or inhalables. So lots of options. Just kind of come back to the talking hedge and see what people are doing. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Gogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the talking hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.